Welcome to The, the Gory Gaze. <laughs> How many murderers are revealed at the end of the movie Scream? How many murders are revealed at the end of the movie Scream? Yeah. Which part? <laughs> Scream 1. How many murders? Um, <laughs> that's a really like, random question to just throw out there. Let me think about that. Uh, revealed? Yeah. Uh, two. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Who wrote and directed A Nightmare on Elm Street? Who wrote and directed Wes Craven? What Alex doesn't know is that I have a box of all these horror movies. I'm really sweating on this side. <laughs> <laughs> underneath the desk that we're podcasting from. And I just randomly pulled one out and started asking questions. And he just started dripping sweat <laughs> yeah, from across the table. Like, because he you? didn't expect me to switch it up. Okay, so did you expect yourself to um, be a co-host of a podcast or start doing a podcast at any no, but I did want to like start a YouTube eventually at some point of my life. So you you like the idea of having a social media presence? I don't like it. Like I'm not in <laughs> oh. love with the idea. I'm not obsessed with the idea. I just yeah. to me it's like really it's everybody's platform. It's anybody's platform. You could literally be show who you are as you know louder. Yeah, you know, so you don't platform. you don't mind the idea? No, not at all. Oh, good for you! No, I like that. So this I've heard all my life. Like you're, you have a great voice for radio. You should be in radio. And, you do, yeah. and I think you're the perfect kind of person to do something like this with. And just let me say something about myself: is that my vocabulary isn't as great as the next person's. Like I'm very basic with my words. So if if I'm not extravagant with what I'm trying to say, and that's probably the biggest word that I've ever used. I, I was going to say, it. and then he uses the word extravagant <laughs> in a sentence. Don't ask me how to spell it. Um, I'll spell it for you. Oh no, we, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what? That's that's fun. That's that's a good a good reason to be doing something like this. In that case, yeah. you know. And this I'm is glad. good for me to talk more and learn more words and just be Yeah, better. and I'm glad that we're doing something like this together yeah. because, like I said, well, I don't know if I said it in this current recording or in one that we've trashed in the past. It's somewhere in there in the vault. Um, you know, we both like horror films, and this gives us the opportunity to watch more horror films together and, you know, to dissect them and, you know, learn more about them. And that's kind of what we want to do here in the long run is just learn more about horror and uh, expand our knowledge. So we think that we have a, a good few movies coming out over the next couple of months. I'm really excited for the new Pet Cemetery film. I know you're, you're already well aware of it, but I'm really excited. And I've already dissected the living hell out of it so oh, so much gosh. we went and saw peter pan goes wrong yeah. you guys for a month we were excited because we we're gonna go on a date it was gonna be a great night we had we had this planned out what we were gonna go to dinner before i came home from work this guy is glued to the tv jaw dropped pet cemetery pet cemetery replay over and over pet cemetery bloodlines is what it's called what did this do to me guys it took the attention away from my date all night, all I could think about was this fucking movie. And it, everyone knows that Pet Cemetery is my number one horror film. And it's just ironic that there's a movie in that franchise coming out the same day that The Exorcist Believer is coming out. And that happens to be Alex's favorite yes. horror film. 
what's also kind of ironic is that Alex and I have the same birthday. Hey! We were born five years apart, but we are both Geminis. We have the same yes. birthday. There's a lot of other universal, like, correlated things and events and occurrences and stuff that has happened to us that we'll get into later on <laughs> as the podcasts progress. But yeah, I just think that... the same person. Yeah, I just think that that part, those two things are really funny. Who was the host in the Tales from the Crypt TV series? The Crypt Keeper? Good job. Uh, based on the book written by Jay Anson, what 2005 Supernatural remake stars Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George? Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George. You got this. No, we don't. 2005. Uh-huh. Based on a book. Based on a book. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, scary Story? No, no. It's R.L. No, no, no. 2005. I'll give you a hint. It's about a haunted house. Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, he's shirtless <laughs> a lot. Oh my gosh, Amityville. Yeah, good job. I had to say he was shirtless a lot. Alex is going to be... Now I remember that movie. He's going to be learning a lot as this podcast goes, goes yes. forward. So and Yeah, I don't know people by names a lot. Like I don't know them by name. I know them by face or character. So that's how we get to know each other. Wait, Ryan Reynolds? Well, up until you said shirtless, then I so got So I the... had to say shirtless Ryan Reynolds in order for you well, to know Well, he is shirtless a lot in that movie. Not, the, not the fact the that he's movie. shirtless. It's just that over and over, and you're right, that's a good way to remember that movie. He's like, Ryan Reynolds shirtless. I think it's the only movie where he actually is shirtless. No, he's shirtless, and... like, the majority of his early career. Okay, yeah, and I also remember there was that one movie with Sandra Bullock. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, the proposal. Yes, the proposal. Yes. I was going to say Betty White was in it as well. Betty White was in it. She's doing oh. that chanting in the forest. <laughs> yeah, they filmed it. It was supposed to be set in Alaska, but yes. it definitely oh, was yeah, not right. filmed in Alaska. Um, what do you mean it wasn't filmed in Alaska? Oh, it definitely was not filmed in Alaska. It was filmed in, like, sure? Canada. I don't June know. Now. But that movie came out when I lived in Alaska. And I remember everybody was no all way. up in arms. That because breaks my heart. They were like, that's not filmed there. It was <laughs> literally breaks my heart. Fucking ridiculous. Have you watched any good movies lately? I mean, I, I know we're together like every single day, but I actually try to. But then you come home and you're like, did you watch it without me? <laughs> well, that off. does happen. Yes. But we did start watching something the other night that I had never seen. What was it? Um, um Nights... Bones and all. Oh, oh no. <laughs> okay. So we no. You, you go ahead. We well, we just recently watched the movie Bones and all. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. That was a tough one. That movie. I mean, the title doesn't know justice but once you get to the end of it yes it does oh wow yeah that's it it's it oh god i don't even know what to say about it, it. we're good we're i, I know what to say get, it's its own podcast but jesus yeah, that movie i don't want to get too else. much into it because we are gonna we we have kind of penciled that in to talk about it later we have kind of filled out our calendar for the rest of the year and i'm really looking forward to all the movies that we do plan on talking about and bones and all is going to be one of them that 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 movie was just something else it had really good performances and it was beautifully shot and the characters it was kind of a, a kind of a good sad love story with good horror elements but yeah we'll talk about that one at a different time we also watched 976 evil but we oh, didn't finish yeah. it. That movie had me up with one eye open. I couldn't go to sleep. I really wanted to watch the rest of it. I wanted to watch the rest of it too. And it's kind of one of those stupid, schlocky, yeah. late 80s movies directed it by makes Robert It so England. much sense. And I think they should maybe make a new version of it. Yeah, it's one that would benefit from a remake. I mean, the story was great. 
Yeah, it was a really simple story about, uh-huh. you know, one of those the nerdy kids getting their getting their calm, traumatic <laughs> revenge, you know, like a, a carry, if you will. And yeah. I think the lead kid was proud. ended up doing gay porn. I think that was a one night open part where me <laughs> I was like, this is gay You were porn. watching gay porn no, later on? We were oh. asleep. We oh. were talking about later on. Wink wink. This? So what else have we done lately? There's been a lot of things that we've done since our first episode. Yeah, really. We have We've done enough stuff already, and I would like the beginning of October. Yeah, spooky season just started. We did that Angel of Light haunted house, that walkthrough experience at the Los Angeles Theater. It was beautiful in there. I don't even know what theater it was. I think it was the Los Angeles Theater. It was such a, an experience, like such an immersive experience. It was really something else. Yeah, I've never done anything like that before. If anybody gets the chance to do this, it's downtown at the Los Angeles Theater. Tickets are like 60 bucks. I think you can do a, a VIP experience and pay a little bit more. Yeah, this will transport you into a different like time zone it's it was just a whole different experience it was really cool something that i've never done i think in my life we've done hunted houses but i've never done something exactly like this this was so different really cool yeah it was very vaudevillian like there was like a it was very murder mystery it reminded me of like a murder mystery dinner yeah you get like a a cool dance number at the end of it yeah it's really cool we went with a group of friends that i took an acting class with for a few years and it's hosted by this um event organization called fever follow them on instagram again they're going all the way through halloween and uh what else did we do we uh, fuck i feel like we've done so much yeah we, we did. did we went to HorrorCon. oh god yeah we went to HorrorCon. i don't think HorrorCon's been around very long i don't think so either i think it's probably a second or third year we were talking about that you and i i didn't even look at the guest list up until the day of you had told me when you bought tickets a couple of weeks ago to check it out, but I didn't yeah, even I bother kept on forwarding the message like, "Hey, check out the list of of the folks that are going to be there." And I kept on just not not just pushing it off and pushing it off up until maybe an hour before we left to the event. Yeah, it was literally one hour before, and then I saw that Taryn Manning was going to be there, which I've been watching the the Instagram saga of Taryn Manning yes. for a while now. And so good, we're invested, mm-hmm. and you know we're we're team Taryn. We love Taryn Manning here at the Gory. Yeah, Gaze, we're invested so. for the good reasons. Yeah, for the good reasons. We we really like her. We so. love you, Taryn. Yeah, we love Taryn a lot. So that made us really yeah. excited. We'll get to that, and then I saw that. J. Trevor Edmond was going to be there, and I had interviewed him personally back when I was doing Standy Boy reviews on a regular basis. He was maybe my third interview alongside Denise Richards and Billy Gallo. So that was really big for me because this was an opportunity for me to actually get to physically meet him, shake his hand, and have a conversation with him. And that was nice. So you completed the circle. Yeah, it was a full circle (laughs) moment for me, and I never uh, got to experience something like that before. So he was really pleasant and uh, a really gracious guy and said some really, really nice things to me. It made me feel really good. I really hope that we get the chance to bring him on here. I think that that would be a lot of fun to have him come on here and tell some stories. Definitely would be a treat. JT, if you're listening to this, um, we love you, man. You're really cool. Thanks for uh, being so nice to us. And Taryn Manning, if you're listening to this, yes. um, oh gosh, she was so cool. We took a copy of uh, Crossroads, um, <laughs> a DVD, and she signed it to us. And um, she just hugged us and she mm-hmm. was so nice. And I told her a story about meeting her at a gas station, actually really close to where we stay right now. And uh, she at least, you know, she 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 heard it. She heard the story. And I <laughs> thought that's it. what mattered. Yeah. 
She was um, super cool. She also whispered in my ear, "Don't ever break up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is gory gaze. Yeah, she she said our name was Gold, right? Yeah, she said, "Don't ever break up with the gory gaze." That is gold, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep that." Yeah, Put so that was really pocket. cool. And we also had brought a we. Let me say it because it's my favorite movie. Well, yeah. Okay, so you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the reins over to Alejandro. Well, not the complete story. Just the, no. The, the, this is all you. Way. Okay. Ahead. Well, just as excited as you were for, or you know, to go see your celebrity, I was excited for my celebrity too. You guys, Linda Blair was gonna be there, The Exorcist, and I was like as excited as Stan, as Stan was. So I'm like, grab the 4K. He's like, I have the 4K. Let's grab the 4K. We'll take it. We'll have her sign it. We get there. We see her table. We're like, no, we'll come back later. We'll We'll just, you know, we'll do a round. We'll come back. Um, <laughs> I'm literally going to let you take over because it's just, it was such a good story. And it's better when you tell it because it'll okay, aggravate well, me. Well, I mean, again. And this is my favorite movie. So I just don't want to have no negative I love feeling that, towards it. I just love I'll you fill in the it, blanks. I love that you call it the exorcist. It's exorcist. The, the exorcist. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we took this special, awesome 4K edition of the exorcist Exorcist. (laughs) um you know with us knowing that linda blair was going to be there and everyone that goes to these conventions knows that if linda blair is there there's usually going to be a line out the door for her because she is a big selling point for these things Mm -hmm. like every time i've gone to a monster palooza or a midsummer scream or something it's usually a a, a pretty chaotic and i mean she was her you step into those doors her table was the first thing you see yeah and there was no line like when we no. when we got in it was like alex said it was the first table on the left and there was nobody waiting so that's why i was like you know what i don't want to be yeah. the first people to to meet her i don't want to bombard her let's do a lap yeah i was gonna like savor the moment you know and then we'll go and we'll let it yeah, just so marinate a little we went and saw some vendors and we went and got some cute little buttons and shit and then mm-hmm. you know we went and met taryn and we went and met uh jt edmund and then we finally concluded Included with linda blair and uh, there were probably four or five people in front of us and there was nobody behind us yeah so again there was this was not a very crowded event yeah you can breathe in it you can move around yeah you can maneuver yourself and so the guy that was taking linda blair's money he was really sweet at first he was wearing a cool alfred hitchcock sweatshirt like he was really he had a cool. fanny pack he was doing yeah it. he was taking her money all nicely and Linda Blair was there, like at her table, and she was sitting next to Kevin Dillon, who we had seen double fisting. uh, Double fisting. (laughs) Um, He was going back and forth from the bar getting drinks. And, you know, and I mean, we're not shaming that. Yeah. You know, no shame to him, to each their own, of course. He and Linda Blair were hamming it up, talking and sharing photos and just like having their own conversation. Yeah. Like he's grabbing her by the arm. She's doing gestures like her mouth smells because of the alcohol. Like we're visibly seeing this, like right in front of of us like playing out yeah and they were completely ignoring us and linda blair had uh, again four or five people in her line including us well it was a dad and a son behind me and i can hear their entire conversation and what did they say the kids like does she want her money or not yeah and what else did they say and the dad's like hey can we pay her just to get her to turn her head around at least yeah (laughs) because at this point we had been in line for maybe 10 minutes and uh, i don't even want to say it but we had straight up given this guy 80 Mm dollars for her to sign our copy of this dvd just the signature and that's all we wanted we didn't want a photo with her we just wanted a signature yeah we have an idea we want to frame them in her little office area you know and and put all those signignatured yeah um, dvds that we collected together as the gory gaze you know 
and I and I have a few of these now. I have one from you yeah. know, Robin Tunney from The Craft. Mm-hmm. I have one from Sydney Prescott herself. And you know, Nev Campbell was really sweet. Robin Tunney was sweet. I've met a lot of really gracious celebrities who have Well oh, shit, Taryn Manning was fucking amazing. Oh, she was the best. <laughs> I have met so, so many sweet. people who have every right to act a certain way and yeah. they haven't. For Linda Blair to kind and of I mean, treat us like we weren't even there for the first maybe 12 yeah. or 13 minutes of us standing there in mm-hmm. that line was pretty atrocious. Like, please put her behind a black curtain, something so that we're not just literally taking this in, like just watching it and taking it. We're like, what's going on here? Finally, after, I don't know, maybe the 15 minute mark had approached and Alex looked at me and was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to ask for the money back. And I had been thinking the same exact thing. Well, her photographer and the other guy that collected the money kept looking at them, kept looking at us and like kind of like making these gestures like i don't understand what's going on like what's happening and we're like why don't you just go poke at her do yeah something. like no i'm mind you she had those posters of the dogs behind her yeah. all over the table please help with and the dogs Blair, your donations go straight to the animals she's notorious for having it's that awesome. foundation do it. for her dogs but get to work great. collect the money for these yeah. dogs for and these animals here's the best part is we straight up asked for our money back we did because this woman was not doing her fucking job. Well, I, so I looked at Stanley and I was just like, you know what? No, it's not going to happen. And I said, I'm going to ask for the money back. And that's it. We didn't cause no problems, no drama, nothing. The guy who had collected the money did a complete one. He yeah. acted like we had never oh given him money gosh. in the first place, was wondering if we had paid with a card. Yeah. Um, didn't want to give us our cash back, was trying to offer us merchandise. And Photos. then was like, oh, well, here, you know, I'll throw in a picture instead. Yeah. He was like, here, you know what? Here, cut everybody else. We'll, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you done right now. We're we'll get you a picture with Linda. At that very moment, <laughs> Linda acknowledged us. Yeah. and was like, oh no, I'm ready, guys. Oh I'm gosh. ready. What's the problem? And it was we the like, most embarrassing embarrassing moment for both of us like yeah because we didn't want any problems but we had already been waiting and it, it, it would have been indifferent if there was something for us to be waiting for. But she yeah. was literally just eating her fucking food and just yeah. conversing with Kevin Dillon about God knows what on their phones. Yeah. And, and just she's like, well, some celebrities are known to just try to build a line, you know, just so people can yeah. get attracted and come, you know. It was so inappropriate. And by these celebrities, I mean Disneyland characters. I, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I just I was getting frustrated at that point. And she she started to react in a weird yeah. way. And she's she was flailing like, her arms in the started, air. I'm here. I'm yeah. Here. She flailed her arms about and she was like, well, I'm ready. I'm ready. If you are, come on up. She's like, come on, come on. We'll take a picture. We'll get you an autograph. And we're like, we don't want it. We we didn't even want a picture. We just wanted a DVD signed. And yeah, like they were more money hungry than we were for $80. They're like, no, just you're going to come back here and take your picture and get your damn thing signed. And And you're going to have a good time. We're like, no, we're not. We just want our money back. Yeah, And they even said, well, do you want to come back later? And we're like, no, you're not going to hold our money. You fucking weird. We're like, we really have to go because we really had to be somewhere. So that's why we left that for the last because we literally made the entire round around the whole thing you know it, all in all it was fine it just left a sour taste in our mouths mm-hmm. and i feel like even if we stood there and did pay those 80 dollars, every time i would look at that signature it would just remind me of what i went through to get it how she made me feel just to get it and what i spent on that and i've been at a convention before where i was kind of helping one of the the guests who was signing and I had to sit next to Linda Blair for a little while. And I remember her being pretty sweet, but this was a few years ago. And I don't know, things change, people change, and it's totally fine. You know, we we as people who are attending these events, we we pay for these tickets and whatever. I'm not, yeah. gonna, that's the end of it. <laughs> still my favorite movie though. Yeah, The Exorcist is still great. We still yep. love it. We still love her performance. We Absolutely. still love the film. We're still going to see The Exorcist Believer, um, yeah. which comes out into theaters 
tomorrow and oh, you, yeah. you know we oh ended up gosh, we ended guys. up leaving this event to go to a screening for another Ooh. movie called hell house llc um that came out in 2015 that has a few sequels now mm-hmm. a new one's coming out around halloween i think it's the fourth one it's like an origin uh, is story it fourth or is it fifth i think it's the fourth one really? there's a second and a third one yeah this one's definitely the fourth one mm-hmm. our friend joe is a producer and our friends Matt and Tim and Jacob, who are the fellas behind Happy Horror Time, another podcast that Ooh, is completely wonderful. And if you haven't listened, uh, you definitely should. They were the hosts who put together this screening and they did a live Q&A with uh, one of the actors and the producer, Joe after the the screening and that was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. so like i said we've just been doing a whole bunch of really cool um horror related i know that's it i mean you're not even gonna mention hell house was freaking the scariest movie i probably ever seen in theater i had already (laughs) seen it this movie was horrifying like like when i say horrifying this movie was horrifying it was a scary movie yeah it was it it was a scary movie it's everybody still... in the theater was jumping like it was really scary and you know i said i had already seen it but uh-huh. it, there was a few moments that i had actually completely forgot i saw about. it and i forgot about the entire thing up until i saw it again and every single part got me so good it was it's such a oh, good movie i it's didn't really realize good. you had seen it before yeah i when i saw it i was like remembering everything i'm like remember i was at the theater and i was like oh i, saw, I did oh, see this movie i don't yeah. remember you saying that at all <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> that's yeah. so funny i must have been talking to myself um you might have been it was late <laughs> i do so. but yeah it was cool to see a bunch of our friends and it's cool to support creators and people who are in the horror community and matt and tim and jacob are a really big inspiration for us so um big shout out to all of those podcasts and uh just horror creators content creators another thing that happened to the horror con i guess uh which would be a good segue into this episode is it is the 35th anniversary of the movie we are about to talk about. The men behind this film were there, and we were going to meet them, but we didn't. We ended up meeting one of the clowns. Yeah. Tiny slash Shorty. Check well, him out on our Instagram. Yeah, we ended up posting a picture with him, and uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I really regret it not wearing my shirt. And everybody there was literally there for that specific reason. Decked out. So <laughs> yeah. we are just ready to... Kick off spooky season uh, and talk about our movie of the week, which, you know, it it's it's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Oh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I'll I mean, say I it's think, a good movie. I think, honestly, like, it's going to become one of our yearly Halloween classic films to just throw on. And it's weird because I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I, I do or did do i don't know if i necessarily think that this is a halloween staple for years to come but i do well this is coming from a person that does not like clowns and and i don't like clowns i've never been a clown person do you like clowns i i like this type of clown like it's a different type of clown so it was to me it was more like alien clowns it was just weird like well they are aliens yeah it's just, but they're clowns as well. Yeah, they're alien clowns. I mean, if you guys don't know yet, we're, we're talking, talking about, about killer clowns from outer space. If you clicked on this, you know that we're talking about Which that. Which is kind of cool that they didn't put like tentacles on them and like, you know, like those weird alien eyes. But maybe that's what is going on under Underneath. their suits and under those and crazy we'll ass out. masks. Crazy asks masks. But, you know, there there's a lot going on in this movie and... 
I'm surprised that I had never seen this before. Was this a first time watch for you? It was a first time watch for me, yes. I've owned this movie for years. It's here. Like, it's a special edition Blu-ray copy that I have owned for I don't know how long. And this was the first time that either of us have seen this. We were just going through the movie cupboard uh, last week and... Somehow we decided on Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Now, yeah. why this movie? Because of the Halloween season, I think. And I think specifically for me, because I've seen it more blown up during this season because of marketing reasons. For yeah, marketing reasons. You mentioned that at like Spirit Halloween stores and stuff, this has its own section. Yeah, there was a year that um, maybe three years, four years ago, where it just... It came out, it marketed this movie, and ever since, the audience just went crazy for it. And now it's like Killer Clowns from Outer Space is just so blown up yearly for the season. And it's not just that. This is like literally a cult movie that's going on now that, that literally became its, its own type of, how would I say, a community? Yeah, it's the rage. Like, this is... what? Oh, was that the microphone? That's the microphone. Bing! Um, no, this movie is definitely a cult classic. You said it very, very clearly. People really, really love or hate this movie. And I think people really actually love it more than hate it. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I believe so. Because if I was against it for a while, it was just like, oh, I'm not going to watch... You know, alien movies and then clowns even. It's just like some type of thing that you have to watch. If it's not like Gacy or It. Um, yeah, which are then, two very fine line yeah, differences. Yeah. Of, I mean, this is And I think definitely... that's as much clown as I can do and agree with. And then this was just too iffy for me to like even give it a, a chance or a shot. Those are two different extremes. Gacy and It are, you know, pretty horrific. Gacy's a serial killer yeah. dressed up as a clown who kills, you know, young gay men. And then there is, you know... Well, yeah, it. those two pretty far in, com in comparison. But as far as, like, clown movies, to me... Is, yeah, and is, I, but this is, like, this is definitely a horror comedy. And for me, yeah. horror comedies, they have to have, like, a really uneven balance of horror and comedy it can't yeah. be like a 50 50 of the two it can't be like completely down the middle it has to be an uneven balance of one or the other in order for it to work and i think that's kind of what steered me away from this all these years even though i've had it in my collection all these years i was afraid that i was not gonna find it funny and i also was afraid that i wasn't gonna find it scary well but you know what it's because even if you look at the cover of the dvd it looks pretty deceiving because even the clown on the cover looks like it's a horrific type killer clown and that clown's in the movie but once you see them all colorful and cheery and their big old smiles and their big cheeks you know, and their big old colorful eyebrows but even then like they're still kind of scary the thing is that the movie i don't think was intended to be scary well, like, I think that the directors and the writers, the the Chiodo brothers, the Chiodo, Chiodo I, don't know, I don't know how to pronounce I'm not their names. Sure either. They clearly said that you know they were writing a movie that they wanted the the dialogue to be taken seriously, whether it was written to be seriously. They wanted the actors to be saying them seriously. So, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like. Yeah, they wanted to, them to portray themselves as if they were in a serious situation, not in a comedic type yeah, movie. Yeah, to like so so it's to be easily that, be deemed as scary. So I could easily see a six year old or an eight year old watching this movie and thinking that yeah, it's yeah 
pure nightmare Well, these are fuel. like things like, like not, I'm glad you say that because as we, when we were kids and we were growing up, tomatoes scared us because it was so blown up and it was chasing somebody just bouncing oh, the, around. The, the rotten you know, the, tomatoes. The killer tomatoes. Yeah. The, 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 oh, the killer, of the killer tomatoes, tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes. The blob. You know, the, like these things that, that, like this black gooey thing leaking from underneath the, the, the door scared us as kids. So can you imagine just... Wait, getting, what black gooey thing? The blob. Oh, that that was like a red pinkish. Was it? Yeah. Wasn't it like black and white? Well, it was a black and white. The original was black. Yeah. And so white. that's the one I remember. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And then they we'll remade remember five it years, in the eighties. Five year difference between you and I. Yeah. <laughs> well, were you born in the fifties? I I well no, but the movies that I saw five year difference than the ones that you saw were a little different than what I remember. Ladies and gentlemen, grandfather Alejandro. <laughs> Abuelo. Oh, Abuelo Alejandro. Abuelito Alejandro. Who watches 1950s black and white horror There is nothing wrong films. with that, okay? Because if, if there was wrong something with wrong with those movies, we would not be watching Killer Clowns of, from Outer Space Which right now. Which was made in 1988. It was made in 1988, but if you pay attention to how the movie was created, this film was made, you know, because of those films from back then, the it 50s. It was very heavily inspired by monster movies from the 50s. You're right. I'll definitely give you that. Thank you. No, you're absolutely correct. Black and white. Black and white, 1950s monster movies. And yeah, I do remember the Killer Tomatoes being in color as well. <laughs> it, well, that movie came out in like the 70s. I never saw those movies. I kind of missed all those monster movies. Well, you took your correct all today, didn't you? <laughs> Wait, what? I, what is correct all? Oh, is that like a like a medicine? Yes. I, well, I usually take it every morning and I usually don't miss my dosage, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely did. Clowns have always been like a no-go for me. I never was a fan of the circus. I never went with my family. I remember that like being like a yearly thing and I would usually end up somewhere else. Like my brother would go with like an aunt. That's so funny. Like what happens with stuff. somebody that doesn't like clowns? Does time stop? Like, does it slow down when you, like, walk by a clown? Like, There's just never been anything appealing about... I guess it's just a phobia, like, with a spider or a snake, right? And it's not, like, a phobia, you know? Like, I have, like, actual phobias, but, like, and clowns aren't... I'm not someone who, like, freezes up and starts sweating and, like, can't, like, be around... You know, clowns. And I know there's an actual word for... Just not your choice clown of character. Phobia. It's not my choice of... Of... Uh, of, of you know character. it's not yeah i just would rather watch a different genre yeah. of horror movies yeah and i do like it i think yeah. that pennywise is a scary clown i suppose but i just I, I never really got into the whole clown thing you know after watching this movie i am glad to say that there were some truly eerie parts to it it wasn't scary but there were some eerie parts that i found kind of spooky and there were also some parts that i did find kind of funny yeah and, and i guess we should let you guys know that we're going to spoil some parts oh maybe, yeah thank you thank you we will definitely be spoiling every movie that we discuss we, we are going to spoil them slash up and bleed and this out. is just because we just keep talking and talking and talking and we just keep talking yeah so that's <laughs> the details. whole point of, of of this particular podcast here at the gory gaze we will be really really delving into the plot the um, the background the acting the the choices made behind the the scenes it's the stuff like that we're really going to go into like all that kind of stuff so you've been warned if you haven't seen the movie please go watch it or press stop now and then come back later so with that being said i guess we should get on with the show and start talking about killer clowns from outer space alex do you want to tell us a little bit about 
Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Yeah, of course. Why don't we start with the film being written both by um, Stephen and Charles um, Kyoto, which are brothers, uh, two of the three. Um, There's three of them. This was a family affair. This, this is a family affair. Yeah. And you know what? Let me tell you. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the opening sequence of this movie. Well, of course you've seen it. Well, maybe you weren't paying attention when it started. I was. But in the beginning of the movie, I think it's the first minute of the movie. They're up on that one um, lookout point. Um, oh, the top, the of, the top world. of the world. The camera's like panning, you know, just through the top of the world. And you see three vehicles. And in those three vehicles is uh, three brothers. You know, it's Edward, Stephen, and Charles. That's great. And they're with their dates. And that's how the movie starts. They're just playing around with their dates. Oh, I didn't know that. It's kind of cool. That's fun. It's a cool okay, thing. so they wrote, directed, and produced so it? Or they wrote, um, two of them wrote it. One of them directed it, which is Stephen. He's one of the writers as well. Produced by all three of them, okay. um, Edward, Charles, and Stephen. And this film is starring Grant Kramer, Suzanne Snyder, John Ellen Nelson, Royal Dano, and John Vernon. And we also have music by John Mazzari, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, you know what? Wait, yeah. John Mazzari did, um, oh God, he, he did like a whole bunch of really shitty like direct-to-DVD sequels and like terrible films from like the mid 2000s oh, okay that, so we don't know him i mean a lot of people wouldn't <laughs> but he did like the cell too do you remember that oh that i remember film? the one yeah i remember the cell one i don't remember the cell too nobody like, did, at all nobody I, I didn't see it like, but at i all. i know that he did the music for the cell too you're oh. welcome everybody there's your useless there's information John Mazzari, everybody yeah. <laughs> yeah so this one was distributed by trans world entertainment released date may 27 1988 guess oh. what stanley it's what? a Gemini. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I know that's where you were going. As soon as I saw your O, oh, I was like, a late made baby. A Gemini. Running time on this film, I have 88 minutes. Which is good. You know what? I like a short movie. It was filmed at 1.8 million budget. Wait, this movie had over a million dollars for the over budget? Over a million dollars for a budget. And that's I don't where know. it all went. Where? To that Hornswoggle. <laughs> to TV legend Royal Dan. We'll get to him. Yes. Um, and with a box office pool of $43 million. That doesn't make that's any fucking sense. a lot of money for 88 I wonder if that's with like re-releases and with overseas. Who knows? Maybe now that with stuff. that whole Spirit Halloween store merchandise. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't, I guess I can see like a one point something million budget. Like just, you know, it looks okay. It's got decent cinematography. It's got decent effects for what the effects are. And these guys are effects guys. You know what aren't it is? They? It's the effects, but it also, to me, it reminds me of like one of those rides. Like if the lights go on and then they have to evacuate you out of the ride and you're like walking behind the scenes. That's exactly what the what the scenes looked like to me. Now, are you disappointed Responding. as you're walking out of this ride or are you? Oh, like, no, oh, absolutely look. not. Like this. Okay. Is, this is like literally you live for this moment. Okay. So I'm not disappointed, but I, I'm thinking if that's how much those rides cost to build, then I can see how much money was put into these sets because that's what it reminds me of these rides that cost millions of dollars. And you think that those rides cost millions of dollars? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, like, okay, it's funny because you use Disneyland as an example, and yeah. I'm thinking like carnivals on the side. No of the way, street. not carnivals. Like this movie, okay. I no. would not. I would I'm not thinking use like Monsters Inc. inside of Disneyland. How much do you think that ride cost alone? And if you think about it, that's kind of like what these sets look like inside of the spaceship. It reminded me so much of those rides. Like, you think that it looked like a Disneyland ride? <laughs> yes. You are so generous. And Alice in Wonderland. Oh, you are so generous. No, <laughs> so that if is Tim not Burton, what I if thought Tim about Burton had a, a theme park okay 
I did think of some Tim Burton-esque type of stuff. There was, like, some Beetlejuice stuff that, like, came across my mind. Like, yeah. imagery stuff. Like, oh, later on towards so the end of the movie. Nightmare Before but, like, Christmas inside of the Haunted Mansion. I'm gonna mansion. say, like, Tim Burton light. Like, diet Tim Burton. I would say super diet, diet, diet <laughs> Disneyland. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, okay. yes. Okay. So, I think like I Like, if somebody, maybe um, teenagers found their way into a, a warehouse where they stored all these seasonal... <laughs> props yeah and then they got a they had a camera and they're just running around these hallways in clown suits that's exactly what it would be you guys alex just described the plot of (laughs) clown house which i don't think he's ever even stop don't tell me that exists also i have never seen it either so i don't know if that's actually the plot but i have a feeling that's what's starring ryan co and stanley oh my god ryan co if you're listening hello we love you Wait, do you have anything else for us as far as like? Oh, you know what? I didn't give you the numbers, you guys. The you guys numbers? want to hear some numbers from Rotten Tomatoes? I have seventy six percent. It has a seventy six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the audience gave it a score of sixty percent. That which I'm is pretty sure is still growing. Well, you know what though? That's the cult status of it. Yeah, if you get over a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, that's and it's what you said earlier. It's either people love it or hate it, and I think people that hate it literally will get turned into it by people that love it turned yeah. On yeah. To there's it. one yeah. family member out of five that loves the movie and they're, they're gonna tune everybody into that yeah well it's you know we were at the mall a couple of days ago because we wanted to go get some halloween decorations mm-hmm. and start decorating early and we randomly came across a girl at the hot topic sponsor and, us. yeah i know hey hot topic and <laughs> she was wearing a killer clowns from outer space it was really t-shirt. cool and we had already decided that we were going to do killer clowns as you know an episode and also the the thing is that she had that that 666 that's what i was gonna say next (laughs) yeah and we also you know we when we were playing around with names of what we were going to be we were always going to be the gory gays but we we were going to add an additional g because we live on a street that starts with g that we're not going to say anymore because of you know Mm -hmm. we don't want people stalking us and breaking into our apartment but it does start with a G, and if you put the gory gaze of G, then if you flip that upside down, it's a, you know, it's six, a 666. Six, six, six. Six. And this girl at Hot Topic behind the counter was wearing the Killer Clowns about her space shirt and had the 666 tattooed on her arm. And that was kind of like our sign that we we're, had to go ahead and go. Podcast. So thank you, girl at Hot yeah. Topic wearing the Killer Clowns about her space thank shirt. You, we really needed that. We you, salute you. We salute you. Alex, do you have any other thoughts before I dive into this plot? No, not necessarily. But start? can I read you a paragraph from the Los Angeles Times to this film? Absolutely. The juxtaposition of their toy store arsenal and malevolent intent proves to be a tasty combination in this killer entertainment that will leave you fearing these big top creatures for good. Yes. That's what the Los Angeles Times had to say about this film. And not that it matters, but you know what? It was worthy enough to be... In the back of the of the DVD case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alex was actually just reading the back of the DVD case <laughs> to us right now. But it was, that but was a quote. Because, it was a quote. And you know what? It's just because I had it because I wanted um, to show Stanley the, the cover. And, you and know. how deceiving it is and how killer it looks. And before we get into this, Alex, I need to know that you have the names of all of the clowns. I hope I do. I hope I do, you guys. And if I'm not correct, then please correct us. Because we thought we had most. Well, I thought you had the names of the clowns. I could have sworn it was Shorty. And then I found out it was Tiny. And then we were corrected. Either way, send it back. We don't like it. So, yeah, we don't like (laughs) Tiny. I think Shorty is a little bit better. Don't want no... 
<laughs> oh, I know where you're going with that. Okay, guys. So we are going to just get right into the plot for you. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do let's it. Plot out. Maybe they're just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police bell. You need a psychiatrist. Uh-oh. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. We open with an amazing title sequence with an even more amazing title song, Killer Clowns from Outer Space by a group called The Dickies. Now, before we go any further, Alex, can we please talk about the song for a second? That song was so cool the way that they that they created it. Did you did you listen to the lyrics? No, the lyrics were what I actually want to talk about. So there was a part in the song, like I didn't get the chance to write any of the lyrics down, so I had to Google them. But they mm. mention uh genocide if you've ever wondered why the population's going down blame it on the plunder from the likes of the killer clowns it's insane it's like yeah that's really crazy and it's uh it's it's a choice to open a movie with a song such as this but it definitely sets a tone and i really like how they open the um the movie against the sky like that it reminds me very yeah. much of star wars those color that color blue was kind of cool for the title name yeah and i'm just again we're so spoiled these days and we're not <laughs> used to seeing opening sequences like that yeah, so exactly I, did you say star wars yeah, yeah, it kind of reminded me of Star, me Star Wars. Wars. You're right. And fun fact, I've never seen a Star Wars film all the way through, I but know what you everybody mean, knows the Star Wars opening exactly. sequence. Exactly. You know? yeah, so that's exactly that what was, it reminded me of, too. That was my first thought. An older cop, Officer Mooney, played by... John? Was it John something? We are very prepared here. We're so at, prepared. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was games. John something. It's John something. Oh, you're right. John it's Vernon. John Vernon. Yeah, John Vernon. John Vernon. Um, I know. An older cop, Officer Mooney, played by John Vernon, is working a Friday night shit. I, oh, shift. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That guy is so angry. He is he's he very is so angry. angry. He hates everything. He hates everybody and everything and children. Um, he's drinking coffee, cruising the streets of what looks like Burbank. And he's headed to the park, hopeful to find kids causing trouble. It's clear from the get-go he's not a fan of the younger generation. Cut to the top of the world, a secluded, lover's lane-like type of place that is packed with cars. Inside, 30-somethings playing college kids, Debbie, played by Suzanne Snyder, and Mike, played by Grant Kramer, are making out and drinking champagne on a raft? Why the fuck are they on a raft? Um, you know what? There's actually a story behind that whole raft thing. What is it? So the film was supposed to have an intro first where you see Mike lost in, at sea or something like that. Um, he was supposed to be escaping from somewhere. I think the war or something. He came on a raft and they sent out the search party to go find him. They finally found him. And the dad was so angry that he punched holes into this raft. And now it lives in the back of Mike's car. 
I love the idea of him being lost at sea after the war. Is that yeah, what you just yeah, said? Yeah, after, after the, the war. war. I think it was after the war. I think you like just that. made that part up, but I I'm going to I'm going to roll with fun. it. Okay. Why not? I okay. If you're out there and you know the truth, and that's the truth, please let us know that. <laughs> Why do you think he has that postpart? Made that, that up or not? <laughs> no, I think that a lot of that does sound right. He has dog tags as well. If you didn't see him, veteran dog tags. Does he? No, he doesn't. Oh, I oh, Alex. <laughs> God, you're so good at this. Also, why would they be drinking champagne in the back of this car? Why not just beer like normal college kids? Oh, I didn't why even they realize they were drinking champagne? champagne. Yeah, they're drinking like a bottle of Prosecco. Who bought them that? I Well, I mean, I'm sure they bought it themselves. I mean, but I'm pretty sure the age. That, well, <laughs> that, that's a, a whole different story that we probably could do a whole different podcast on. <laughs> These kids, they're supposed to be kids, like college kids, are quite literally... In their mid-thirties. adults. Quite literally mid-thirties. I think Suzanne Snyder, bless her heart, she's beautiful, but she is probably 32 or 33 while this movie is being filmed. And she's supposed to be playing a 22 or 23-year-old, maybe, I think, assuming that they're in, you know, the early college days. Yeah. I, that's your regular case of Beverly Hills 90210. And that's your, you're right. That's your regular case of Beverly Hills 90210 and your regular everybody case goes to that of high horror movie high school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. 18 Wood, Wood, going Woodsboro on, High. 18 going on 28. <laughs> is this Burbank? No, this is not Burbank. This is Santa Cruz. It's California. Santa Cruz. Yes. So it was filmed in Santa Cruz. It was filmed in Santa Cruz, California. There's a lot of um, areas that are repetitive in the film. Oh, that... they pulled a pleasant film. So effect. you were mentioning the, the opening sequence with Officer Mooney when he's driving down the street. And I don't know if you really mentioned Yeah, that it looks like Burbank. It looks like Burbank. Those are um, multiple streets in Santa Cruz that keep showing up over and over. That same building that you see him coming up, up in that corner. Yeah. Um, is the same building that you kind of see. I think it's across the street from when the ice cream truck is driving itself. And those guys, those two guys are. Oh, so it's like repeat scenes. scenes, They keep repeating the same filming. Oh, I see. Low budget. And I'll do two low budget. Yes. Low budget. Okay. An ice cream truck pulls into the cul-de-sac driven by the wisecracking horned up Terenzi brothers, Rich and Paul. They're obnoxious. I hate them offering cold treats to the tongue tied lovers over a loud mic. Said lovers are not entertained. Two buxom women come out from the pack of the truck, played by myself and Alex. Glory <laughs> <laughs> gaze. They're demanding to be taken home. Mike clarifies that Rick and Paul are his best friends. Now, I just want to quote one of these Terenzi brothers. Oh, the way he was <clears throat> the way he whispers to them. I told you they weren't stupid. <laughs> also, ice cream, ice cream. We brought our goodies here for you. Tasty treat for while you screw. Yeah, this is poetry. It keeps going too. Let's take a break and cool off those. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my god! Break. You know the the writing here is for the books. It's some of some of these characters are really really obnoxious uh, right from the get go, and the Terenzi brothers are consistently obnoxious for the entire film. Don't like them. It's very sad that you say that because I believe that these are the tritagonists of this film. Tritagonist? Tritagonist. So I don't it know would be the third word. the third person, the third acting person in this film, the third star, if you will. The third star. The third star, if you will, of this okay. movie. Okay. I think is those two we're, brothers. We're just making up words now. 
I like that. Okay. <laughs> it's I'm, not a made-up word. I'm here word. for it. I want you to Google Tri- tritagonist. Tritagonist exists. It's a real word. Tritagonist? I, 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 you Google it. I'm going to Google that, that right now. Everybody, please hold <laughs> while I Google tritagonist. Me and my basic words. Oh, wait. <laughs> tritagonist. The um, person who is third in importance after the protagonist and Deuteragonist. Oh, I didn't know there was a second word I for the I can't de- even pronounce that. What's de- the deuteragonist? Deuteragonist? Why does it have to be such a weird word? What I don't know. Is a, tri- is a tritagonist good or bad? Tritagonist is the third person that's like the third star in the movie. They could also be an antagonist. The evil, the, the two <laughs> no. main characters. You know who the antagonist is? The antagonists are those those little popcorn things that become baby vultures. <laughs> I hate this conversation. <laughs> I'm so mad that my correct doll is turning against me. Uh, <laughs> well, moving on, let's go back to my starring role as one of the bigger girls in the back of the ice cream truck <laughs> and how I'm demanding to go home. <laughs> Always be the second biggest girl in the film. Is Suzanne wearing a wig? Suzanne is wearing a wig. She's definitely And I know because I own it now. You, I saw you wearing it the other day when I came home. I didn't want to say anything, but I did see that. I only wear it when I cook. Oh, God. After Rich, Paul, and the girls depart, Mike and Debbie continue to make out, but are interrupted by a large flash in the sky that Debbie mistakes as a shooting star. All the other teenagers, yes, I'm using air quotes, see it too. Elsewhere, an old farmer named Gene, played by Royal Dano, sees it too. That guy is the best. He is the film. He's an acting legend. He's the film. Thing. He is given some of the best dialogue in the world. We yes. should throw that out there, too. He gets to say words like, what, Alex? What in Hornswoggled? What is it? Well, just the word Hornswoggled. The, the word Hornswoggled. In general. And then he calls the shooting star a sky guppy. Oh, that's so great. Which I think is just amazing. And then he gets to say something along the lines of, thousands of people are coming. There's going to be airplanes and tacos. And this <laughs> is all because... Comet. Yeah. yeah, he sees a shooting star. And he's landed in her backyard and it's, like, it's nowhere near his backyard it's amazing and royal dano you guys is is a, a tv veteran this guy was born in the 20s started acting in the 40s and went on to play on countless television shows and in numerous movies throughout the rest of his career that spanned like four decades you had mentioned something to me earlier you said that he he was in some type of show and it surprised me so much i was like what oh it was at disneyland he ended up voicing oh, uh, lincoln yes. abraham lincoln at the um, the president's hall or what, yeah, whatever yeah it's a, such a cool show if if you know what we're talking about as soon as you walk into disneyland on your right hand side they have that hall of the presidents and there's yeah. lincoln that does that that whole He's Lincoln's See, voice, that's which again is really coincidental that we're doing this episode today. I know. It's and so weird. that's his voice. <laughs> and so that weird. just came out of nowhere today. I was like, oh God, that's so funny. Royal Dano does the yeah. voice. And he actually played Abraham Lincoln in a, a television movie or something at one point in his career. That's really cool. Yeah. He's an MVP of this movie. Like he knows exactly yeah. what kind of movie yep. he's in. And he also played Gramps in House 2, The Second Story. I just wish I understand what the hell happened to Pooh. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. So Debbie tells Mike that she wants to go hunt for the shooting star. Mike is hesitant, but agrees to go. What? She's funny. Oh, she's annoying. You know what? The thing is that I thought she was super like stiff. I was just like, oh, gosh, let me take that stick out of her ass. Um, And Mike was like, oh, come on. Like, you know, like really like just cool. And now I understand that she's supposed to be the hero of the film 
Yeah, and he's supposed to be the bimbo. The bimbo. Yeah, yes. they like do a role reversal. Yeah, which because is really I thought like, wow, Mike's the cool guy. He likes everybody. He's friends with everybody. He- they they do like a weird role reversal because yeah. at first he, she's the one that wants to go look for the star. Yeah, or whatever it is that has fallen over in the woods. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't and want to. Then once they go out into the woods, she's the one she that doesn't want stiff, to, yeah. and she's the one that has like the voice of reason, and mm-hmm. he's the one that wants to explore and keep making stupid decisions. Are you even all there, Mike? Yeah, and he's not. Are he's still got, on the raft. He's got the worst, <laughs> the worst mullet <laughs> on the raft. <laughs> he doesn't even know where he's at. He's like, oh, yeah, no. sure. Oh, he's the worst. The green to everything. I don't like him either. A lot of the men in this movie, I are like written him. Really stupid. No, I like. Him. I don't like him. I'm telling you because he's he reminds me a lot like me because he just he's friends with everybody and just talks. <laughs> I'm all I hate him and you're like he reminds me of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Debbie tells Mike she wants to go hunt for the shooting star. Mike is hesitant but agrees to go on with her. Farmer Gene and his hound dog Pooh Bear take a lantern and a shovel, going on their own journey as well. But you know what? He's the only animal that they actually shown in the whole film that's a live animal. I didn't think about that, but I think you might Because the other ones are all balloons. And Pooh Bear is such a cute... He's like a hound dog. He's this really cute hound dog that is like a companion piece to uh, Farmer Gene. My grandfather's name was Gene, by the way. (laughs) Nothing like this character, but I thought that was... Of course he is. Kind of, yeah. Your family did found America. No, I said this... The character was nothing (laughs) like my grandfather. My grandfather was like a a, a medical examiner. Farmer Gene, with his lantern and shovel, ends up in the middle of the forest and stumbles upon a very large, very out-of-place circus tent. He investigates, only to find that nobody is around. Moments later, the shadow of what appears to be a clown appears on the other side of the tent. A hole is created, and Pooh, the dog, is abducted. Farmer Gene is then electrocuted by the tent and laser-beamed by a ghoulish, fat clown with green hair and big red lips. Now, the shadow of the clown is actually kind of scary. I believe that's Jumbo, but yes, it is pretty scary. And oh, you know what? you're pulling the names out. Well, just because I want to get them in line as to which ones are the first that we meet in the in the film. And I believe it's Jumbo that comes out um, the I first clown introduced to us. And it is a shadow, you're right. And, I, and in the beginning of the film, when I first saw it, I thought it was like they were trying to tell us that the old man is the clown type of thing because I thought the shadow was the old man's. Oh, you thought that? <laughs> oh no, it's definitely a, like a, it's <laughs> from the inside. No, it's supposed to be comic. Yeah, like, it's like a comic. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that whole. You're so, were you stoned? You're so funny. Yeah. The thing was that when we first watched this film, we had purchased Cloud. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that could have done it. Inside joke. I, you know what? Yeah, I will say this. If any of you listeners out there participate in the cannabis, this is a good movie to participate yeah. in the cannabis yeah. and watch. Because it's especially a, if it's your first time watching it. Watching um, it. So that's great. probably why you thought that um Farmer Gene's shadow was was I was Farmer like, Oh Jean my gosh, he's a clown. The clown. He's You're a clown. so funny. You thought it was going in a different yeah. direction. That might have made Why it did it land of, in his backyard? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that we didn't get to see the dog killed. What happened to Pooh Bear? I well that's enough. I didn't need to see anything else. Well no we didn't, but is he driving the ship now? He could be. That's okay. If he wants to be driving the ship, I'm okay with that. Is he tiny? But I don't need any more animal deaths after a single white female last week. And after no, and you know what? That. You're right. Because there is a scene in the movie where they're trying to escape the clowns. I believe it's Debbie and Mike. And then he's driving in reverse and he runs over the balloon dog. 
Oh, yeah. And even that's sad. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, even that's sad to watch. So, good thing nothing happened to Pooh. You're right. Yeah, the the deflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you barely see it, too. But I do want to point out that I really do love Royal Dano's performance in this film. And yeah. it's very short-lived. I guess you might even call it a cameo because he's not in it very Oh, long. I want to see the prequel or the sequel. The prequel. <laughs> Killer <laughs> Clowns from Outer Space, Bloodlines. Bloodlines, yes. <laughs> Beginning, or what is it, Believer? The be- the Believer, the Deceiver. <laughs> believer. Back at the police station, Officer Mooney brings in two, quote, juvenile delinquents who are 47 years old. Oh, he's so angry at them. Who he catches boozing in the park. A younger, more lenient cop, Dave, is also on shift. Mooney wants to book the kids, but Dave wants it done the proper way, without any chaos. Mooney also wants respect. Uh, Junie, Mooney is so mad. He's so mad. He is so angry. I mean, I love it, but he's so angry. He's really the only adult in the movie. I think... And again, I use air quotes for adult, but... He probably got kicked out of the army. He is, and he's someone that's like being pushed to the brink of retirement. Like he, yeah. it's clear that nobody really wants him around. I, I like kind of feel bad old. for him. He thinks he's too old for like anything, and he's just like, Bleh. yeah, which is why he's just you Mad. know consistently grumpy and drinking on shift. And I just, mean, the way he talks to these kids is hilarious. Yeah, I love it, but it's just, just super you're so paranoid. Angry. It's really, it's really kind of sad the way that he. Yeah is treating everybody and the way that he gets treated in return. Yeah, but, but he gets his. Oh, he really does. Oh, right. Um, but I I kind of uh, the 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 relationship that him and Dave have with each other, him and the younger cop is kind of interesting. And yeah, I wish it is, that there right? was more of that because I want to know what happened prior to the movie starting with those two characters. Dave really keeps him balanced. Like, well, calm down. It's not that big a deal. And he's like, really, Dave? Even though they don't have a lot of screen time, scream, screen mm-hmm. time together, they still have a really good dynamic. Debbie and Mike. Debbie. Debbie and Debbie. Oh, Debbie. Debbie is- <laughs> what are you, Hans I just, Woggle? I just glitched. <laughs> Debbie and Mike have found the tent. Debbie knows it's weird and out of place, and now Mike is the one that wants to check it out. Together, they go inside. Now, I know why Farmer Gene would go inside, because he is an old, senile weirdo. He's looking for poo. Well, no, he's just interested in the tent because it's the the whole shooting star. Oh, he wants to make scenario. money. Yeah, yeah. it's and then, striking the gold and like hitting the oil. Yeah, and then Pooh yeah. subsequently gets kidnapped. But I, I want to know why a more with it college kid with a you know more with it head on their shoulders would go into this tent oh like, he took the molly yeah oh he took the molly he definitely took the yeah. Molly. yeah but like if you came across a a spooky deserted circus <laughs> tent in the middle of the woods that maybe probably got dropped there by a shooting star like would you investigate that well, no, because I've only been to the circus one time in my life and if I only went there once in my lifetime of 42 absolutely not I would not go in there I was never a circus guy. I will say that again. I never was a circus guy. Inside, it's a bizarre layout of pink, stripes, pipes, colors, balls, all decorated by what you refer to as Clowns Are Us. Yeah. Yeah. This is no fun house. No circus either. No. There are doors at the end of a long hallway, and when they enter one, they're in some sort of electrical vortex chamber with a large ball that looks like one of those things that you'd find at Spencer's Gifts that can only be described as the inside of the shooting star. At least that's what Debbie calls it anyway. Yeah. She's like, the shooting star, we saw, we're in it. 
Either way, I think that the effects here are pretty good with what we're working with. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary, right? I mean, yeah, depending on how you look at it. It should have had, like, some type of a noise. <laughs> oh. scarier. Yeah, I mean, like it, maybe breathing. it did. Yeah. I mean, they had, like, the part with, like, the electrical, like, schlocky stuff was happening in that yeah. vortex chamber thing. Oh, that, that, that place was kind of cool. I think it's also a throwback to... A movie from back then, kind of like what we were discussing earlier, how these are just little throwbacks for for movies that happened back then. Yeah, and they used, like, really cool, like, artistic effects on these parts. They used, like, matte painting and um, other really cool visuals. Um, yeah, the colors and everything they used for this is something else. Really outstanding, yeah. Now, they realize something is after them, so they take another doorway that leads them to a room full of pods of cotton candy. But they are not cotton candy. Inside the pods are... Human beings. Human beings! They've been bloody sucked and webbed into this cotton candy-looking sack. And that's when we get the idea that these clowns are aliens. Right? I think yeah. that's kind of when they, they drop that. This is when we find out that they have homework here on Earth and that they're doing something. Something's up. Yeah. The yeah, collection has begun. A clown enters to hang another cotton candy pod. Mike recognizes the body as someone named Joe Lombardo. The clown discovers them and goes after them with a popcorn gun. Mike and Debbie run. You did mention Joe Lombardo earlier, though? Yeah, I Joe think- Lombardo is a, a character that they bring up a couple of times, and we never see him, or so we don't think, but he is actually a character later on. He's just a non-named no, he's a character. character. Yeah, but we'll we'll go into who Joe Lombardo actually is when that when that comes around. Wait, what was that line? There was a line that... We both talked about that Debbie has that's so outrageous. Oh my gosh, she's so funny. The one where she asks um, Mike, have you ever seen anything like this? And he's like, no, never. And she's like, of course, nobody ever has. It's so dumb. It's the dumbest it's line like, I've ever heard in my life. Like, me too, because it's like, she kind of just answered her own question. You know, like Nobody stores cotton candy like this. <laughs> they are given some of the most horrendously silly dialogue but yeah. they have to say Just it with such conviction and be real about it's it and it's, it's, it it makes it kind of funny and schlocky so yeah, i didn't really understand the tone of the film the first time i and i don't know how because it's it's not that hard it's not brain science you know it's not the first film done like this but i think this film is just so old compared to these modern films that I've seen that have done the same thing. I mean, they've been doing a lot of movies like this for years, you know, so I don't yeah. know why, like, for some reason, it it took a second and a third viewing for, an, for yeah. me to be like, oh, I get it. I mean, Leprechaun is very much in, in mm-hmm. tune with this, and there are plenty of other horror slash comedy movies that go in line with this. You can't hate it if you grew up watching, like, things that are relative to what the these folks have worked with or what they've done before you know i do love when the clown starts playing with the joysticks and stuff like with the popcorn machine and then nothing happens like the popcorn yeah. just stays stays as it is <laughs> something's happening with the popcorn it's developing but then he loads the popcorn gun or he loads a gun uh-huh. and it turns out that it's a popcorn gun and then he starts shooting popcorn at Debbie and Mike, and it turns out that the popcorn is evil yeah, and dangerous. I, in in metaphor, maggots. And uh, maybe, maybe so. So quickly they, they turn into these 
vulture looking long neck yeah things. like it's like evil popcorn grows into it this grows into little shop of horrors yeah. type of it's the gremlins just that water yeah it's insane and then there's a really funny quote from debbie why popcorn and then <laughs> popcorn? i guess that's Is that what why. she's running away yeah, when they barely escape with their lives yeah. as the, sh- the popcorn is being shot it's at It's all them. over her hair. And this is where we hear their evil alien language for the first time. You know, their masks are really, really, really cool. Yeah, they really are. That's why it's kind of like a different clown, different than it. I like how each individual clown has all their own characteristics. Yeah, you can define them. Yeah. Yeah, and their names are so, I mean... Basically, it is what they are. Fatso is Fatso. Spike is Spike. Jumbo. Jumbo is Jumbo. And then we have Tiny, even though his name should be Shorty. Shorty. So moving on, Debbie and Mike find Mike's car and drive off, uh, running down the clowns in the process. There's a shot of Slim sitting up like Mike Myers. Oh my gosh, you I, caught that? Yeah, and I thought that was really that cool. That was so cool. I caught the same exact thing, and I thought I was the only one that thought that, but of course you did. Um, Yeah, it's right before that whole Crescent, <laughs> that Crescent yeah. Cove walkout. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Oh, the Crescent Cove walkout. The, cre- the Crescent Cove walkout is probably one of my favorite shots. <laughs> yeah, that handmade sign. There's a cool little fact with that whole little scene where if you pay attention to it, they wanted them to complete the walk to where you see them walk entirely into the trees and all the way down the road. But because they weren't wearing shoes, the clowns that night, they only filmed enough to where they go to the waistline. And that's all we see in them within the camera cuts into the next scene oh that's funny because it's a really cool shot too yeah it's so, a really had they completed that it would have been so much better with fog yeah. added and sh- you know stuff like because the music right there is really cool too yeah and but had they that, completed it yeah it that been happens really after cool that shot. michael myers scene oh what a bummer yeah. i would have liked to see that shot completely yeah. done that way but it's, it's just so much better because it wasn't done mm. that way well, it's cheesy. This is all cheese. This is camp at yeah, its best. We love it. Extra yeah. cheese on my nachos. Ooh, nachos sound good. Let's do it. Debbie suggests that they go to the police station because she knows someone who will believe them. And then that that's when we get the Crescent Cove shot. Debbie and Mike arrive at the police station and make an effort to explain their situation to Dave and Officer Mooney. Elsewhere, Slim the Clown is outside of a drugstore imitating a mechanical gorilla. Oh, wait, no, that's Rudy. Okay, so which clown is this? Yeah, it is Rudy. And how can you tell them apart? Um, The hair. The hair? The hair and their collars. Didn't you say one of them had, like, chola eyebrows? Um, That is Rudy. (laughs) Okay, so Rudy's the one outside of the drugstore. Rudy's the one with the chola eyebrows, yes. Okay, perfect. Now, Mooney is not buying the story provided by Mike and Debbie... And this is where we get the title, by the way, from Mooney, and where I've decided that Suzanne Snyder is quite beautiful, Mooney really sucks, and we're referring to the popcorn as dangerous. And I love in this particular scene, Mooney calls Debbie a tramp in front of these guys, and nobody flinches. Like, nobody says a word. I do not like that Mooney calls Mike a little fart right here that word makes me terribly uncomfortable when Fart. i hear other people say it yeah it's just oh, it's gosh, just such so a dirty word yeah and when you hear like an old man call like a younger man that like there's just something really what? uncomfortable about no. it i don't know i didn't like it it's okay mooney accuses mike of making all of this up especially knowing that he hangs out with the Terenzi brothers as they leave he tells dave you're not gonna make a dummy out of me mm. i was like oh keep that in mind underneath a gazebo in a park nearby A blonde teen happens across a puppet show that soon turns violent, with one puppet laser-blasting the other. When the boy starts to laugh, one of the clowns emerge and turns him into cotton candy. 
Back at the drugstore, Rudy is ransacking it while the terrified store clerk watches. And you know what? Going back to the gazebo scene, those two shots weren't even shot together. The boy was shot different than the actual puppets playing. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like, it was two actual scenes cut and put together. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then also the pharmacy is a whole different... The pharmacy is one thing, but the part where they're destroying the pharmacy is a whole different set shot outside of the building. Because that pharmacy is real. It's a real standing building. Today, this day, is like a cowboy store where they sell, like, boots and hats. And Oh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Where is it at? Uh, Santa Cruz. The wife oh, of the guy... Oh, all of this is in Santa Cruz? Yeah. The, oh, okay. The, guy, the wife of the guy that owned that shop still goes to that store now, like, today. Still shops there. Do you like cotton candy? I love cotton candy. Ugh, I hate cotton candy. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's I don't sugar. Like it. It's like pure it's just sugar. sugar. Oh, it's so bad <laughs> for your teeth. It really is. Yeah. It just makes my teeth hurt. Especially after Killer Clowns. Now I want that type of cotton oh, candy. Oh, I never want it again. Right. Officer Dave drives Debbie back home, and mid drive, Mike learns that Debbie and Mike are former lovers. Mike tells Debbie he'll come back and check on her later when he's done showing Dave the circus tent in the woods. We get a brief but fun montage. Montage. <laughs> we get a brief but fun montage of the clowns turning people into cotton candy. Yeah, Clip. this is when they start showing us what they're doing and what they're after, and it starts moving a little faster. Yeah, we get the clip with the almost naked girl who answers the door, and there's a clown holding pizza, and then he lasers her. I still don't know how Tiny got into that pizza box. I'm we'll not never sure know. either. Tiny just kind of like makes his way around to everybody. Yeah. And then we get the elderly lady who opens the door, and then there is, I She's think funny. it's Jumbo, who's holding the valentine. <laughs> is this for me? <laughs> yeah. And then that's the the clown that looks like Gypsy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's <laughs> funny. There's a clown in this movie that if if Gypsy, our chihuahua, wore a, a, clown, a clown, that's what she would clown. look like. Yeah. From outer space. Yeah. There is more drugstore destruction. And we also get more antics, including shaving cream and sneezing and other cheesy stuff. So Mike and Dave venture off into the forest looking for the tent, but it's now gone. Somewhere else, a biker gang has gathered outside of a bar. Tiny has also shown up on his cute set of wheels. <laughs> I know. When the biker asks to beep Tiny's horn, Tiny agrees, and the biker destroys the bike, smashing it to pieces. Tiny starts to cry, and it's actually kind of cute and pathetic. And then he quickly teleports into the sky and reappears with boxing gloves. The biker gives us one of the iconic lines of the movie, What you gonna do, knock my block off? To which Tiny does, straight off into a trash can. And, you know, regardless of... Everything that could be wrong with this movie, this part is actually really cool. Yeah, it really is. I like the way he falls back, like, down to his knees, and then his whole body just bends back. Yeah, he, like, completely buckles and, yeah. like, crumples like That's, a wet And then bed. the head just flies in there. He's like, ah! Yeah. Okay, so we move on to the Big Top Burger with a little girl eating french fries with her family. Jumbo beckons to her, and she goes to him. She doesn't realize he has a giant mallet behind his back. The little girl's mother catches her before she can be killed. Too bad, because this movie could have used a little kid murder. <laughs> no, 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 not, no kid murders. No, I'd rather would see a little kid get murdered than a dog. Well, we saw a dog balloon. But, Jazz, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's the pretty... I think that would, that would have been the, the scariest scene in the whole entire movie, is that guy beckoning that little girl to come out. Yeah, because that's where it's really creepy. You know what, what? what's weird to me is, like, how come the mother never said anything? Like, go away, creep, or what okay. are you doing? It was supposed to be a jump scare in the movie. So we weren't supposed to be afraid of the clown. The mom grabbing the girl coming up to the screen oh, yeah, was yeah, supposed yeah. to be what we jump scared for. I see what you mean. Okay. 
And then she was supposed to chastise the little girl yeah. like heavily instead of just being like, "Oh, what happened?" Yeah, or I know the what fact that mean, she never yeah. mentioned the clown or said, "What creepy clown? What are you doing?" Yeah, calling my daughter. Name the movie with the tagline in space: "No one can eat ice cream." I don't understand. Name the movie with the tagline in space: "No one can eat ice cream." I don't think I've seen it. Killer clowns from outer space. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I just pulled. Are you serious? Yeah. Wait, how come nobody can eat ice cream? That's the tagline of the movie. That? No, but that's apparently the tagline of the movie. I would have known what you're talking about had I known that that's part of the movie. I've never even heard that line in the movie at all. Apparently, that's the tagline of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but not not on my Blu-ray. No can eat ice, ice cream truck. Well, yeah. Okay, Dave and Mike then go to the top of the world, only to find all the cars from the beginning of the film sprayed with cotton candy remnants, but no passengers. Earlier, I decided Suzanne Snyder was pretty, and here I've decided that Dave walks like a woman. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm Remember, read, he's the bimbo. He's I'm going to read the... every note that I write. No, this is Dave, not Mike. Oh, you're right, yeah. Dave yeah. reminds me of, of um, President Clinton. Oh, he looks a little like him. He has him, like huh? the Clinton hair. Yeah, he looks a little like him. And I yeah. changed his name to Davida from this point forward. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Davida's great. Davida finds glasses in the front seat of a car. They belong to someone named Bob McCreed. Who is Bob McCreed? Who is Bob McCreed? I don't know if they ever oh, bring him back up, do they? Bob McCreed. That, oh, I think it's the guy that, the second guy that they, they scratched the face off with one of those sacks. Yeah, but. I, I think that's who it's supposed to be. I don't remember. And I think, yeah. Back at the station, Mooney is manning the phones. One phone call, another disturbance. He still doesn't believe it. Mm -hmm. This one is, quote, my wife was taken away in a balloon. He starts to think the entire town is in on it and against him. You know those balloons are weather balloons that they use for those? Uh, in r real life? In real life. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, the no. type of weather balloons that they send up to... You know a lot about this movie. Well, I mean, I'm surprised. I, and well, I probably yeah. don't know enough. There's people out there that probably know a lot more. They're probably like correcting me and saying, like, no, he's so wrong. Those were... Hey, yeah. well, you know what? You know more than I do, and I yeah. thought that I knew a little bit. And if you know more than us, by all means, let us know. Absolutely. Be our friend. Be our friend. Add us on Instagram. At the gory gaze. Do it now. Destroy that like button. Destroy that. Follow <laughs> us. We'll follow you back. Okay, so a gentleman is driving, and this is Joe Lombardo. Oh, that's Joe Lombardo. Yes, so going back to who Joe Lombardo was is this was supposed to be the opening scene of the film and they decided to scratch it as the opening and then put it in as filler for later on yeah it makes no for sense. one reason or another yeah i'm not sure why it's just a clown following another guy terrorizing him the clown is spike i'm pretty sure that's the clown that they're that they have alongside him and he's in an invisible car he's just kind of like alongside him driving a a car that's not there it's a kind of cool it's a really cool scene it is a cool scene the the effects are a little shoddy but you know it's to be expected especially in a scene that's kind of like wild like this yeah. they actually filmed that here in griffith park Oh, that that's right. We need Park. to find that little spot. Yeah, and a lot of things went wrong with that scene because the car was actually meant to fly over the bridge, like exaggerating flying over. But okay. because of the pulley system, it literally just went to the edge and just dropped down. Like, oh, yeah, they put like sandbags into the car to like weigh it out. Oh, that's really neat. 
Well, it's not neat that it went no, bad, no. but it's cool I mean, they, they got what they wanted out of it. It's cool that it still, like, burned and it, that there was water. I didn't know that there was, like, water over there. Because of the budget, they couldn't drag the car back up. There's they a lot that they couldn't do because of the budget. But Spike's laugh after the whole crash is really horrific. That's There's, demonic. It's, it, that's an evil laugh. Yeah, there are a few parts in this movie where the clowns are actually kind of scary, and this mm-hmm. is part. This is one of them. Debbie prepares for a shower. <laughs> she puts her clothes in the hamper... As she continues to disrobe and we pan down to the floor, we see that the popcorn is crawling around on the tile. Only one of them, but we get it. Yeah, we get the idea that the popcorn is uh, a little extraordinary. Outside of the Big Top Burger, Jumbo opens up a bowling bag full of popcorn and empties a handful of it into the dumpster. He walks away. An employee that belongs in a Sean Cody video comes out to dispose of the some trash, <laughs> hears something in the bin, leans in, and is eaten by the popcorn? Yeah, he's just a regular stuntsman for the film. Yeah, we're really leaning in on the popcorn being dangerous. Yeah. So you hear, like, in the, in the, in the container, like, outside, it starts, like, sounding like baby chicks. Yeah. That's because the popcorn's turning into these baby vulture-looking things. Yeah. And then it yeah. eats that guy out of the container. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that that's what was probably happening inside yeah. the garbage can. So they were attached to her clothes. She threw it in the hamper, and here we go. Yeah. Dave and Mike are back in the police car exchanging manlies. What do you mean by manlies? Manlies are like, you know, bro yeah. code conversations. Yeah. yeah. We're exchanging manlies, man. I Dave admits he believes Mike now, and also that having Debbie involved is making it more difficult for him. At a bus stop, Spike is now putting on a shadow puppet show for the people waiting. This scene is actually really fucking neat. So he makes an elephant, that famous war portrait stance that I could not think of the name for the Something life of me. Crossing. Uh, it's Washington crossing at Delaware. Delaware, yeah. I think, yeah, which I'm sure we is. probably learned in every history class <laughs> growing <laughs> up. <laughs> and we probably saw that it. photo, but I saw the silhouette of it mm-hmm. and I knew the picture, but I could not think of the name of you it. You know, the real print of that picture is super scary. Have you seen the faces of those guys? Like They're in, like all the in boat? pain. Yeah. And do you know Agony, the story of super sad what's scary. leading up to that? No. I don't know either. We should probably go back to seventh grade history. And yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So he makes um, all those fun shadow puppets. A dancing woman um, who we found out was a belly dancer, not Jessica Rabbit. Not Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, a T-Rex with glowing eyes that eats everyone standing there. Entirely the scariest part in the whole film. Oh, uh, 100% agree. In the entire film. That thing was traumatizing. I straight up gasped. I thought that this was so well done. It was so inventive. It was very reminiscent of A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think Uh, that you had mentioned that, Mm -hmm. actually. That it reminded you of a Freddy Krueger kill. And I couldn't agree with you more. I thought that it was very frustrating. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's the first time they've done that in, in a film like this, the Kyoto Brothers, because I'm pretty sure I've seen a shadow puppet like that done in Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, but I might be wrong. And I had never heard of these guys before this movie, but I have seen so many of their other films, but I... And one of the few people in the world who has never seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's crazy to me. Or any of the that Pee-wee films. That is so films. crazy to me. 
So, but I've seen Elf, and I've yeah. seen the Elf television you show. Know, and I didn't, I didn't really know about them up until this movie. And then I was like, what? No way. They worked on all these other projects and all these other films that I, I, I grew up with, literally. Yeah, weirdly enough, they're effects guys. They're yeah. very much involved in the special effects world. And yep. they have an extensive special effects history. It's great. It's so good, like, what they do and what they've done, especially with this film and the budget that they had. And yeah, it's really neat. So the truck for some reason, is driving itself while the Terenzi brothers are behind it. It crashes. Dave leaves to go convince Mooney, and Mike goes to get the Terenzi brothers to help him go find Debbie, in which they agree, under the pretense that Debbie has hot roommates for them to hook up with. I don't care about any of this because I hate all three of these guys. So Dave calls into the station, telling Mooney everything about the clowns is true, and he needs to be cautious. Mooney, of course, thinks they're trying to break him and drive him into the early retirement we talked about. And I really love the delivery of fuck you over. <laughs> He's so good. I just love his paranoia. He is his so good. Paranoia is so fun. <laughs> and you know what? Let me introduce them. Yeah. I didn't understand like why they were driving like erratically and not really crashing into nothing. It was a sensible, cr- like a senseless crash to me because they just kept on steering the wheels to nowhere. And then I understand, I understood during the commentary that these cars were all rentals and they didn't want to cause damage to any of the vehicles. So they just made the car swerve in appearance of they're getting into a crash to the onlooker. And that's the reason why it, it just looks funny. Like they're driving into no, but nothing or crashing into nothing, but it's because literally they could not afford to crash the cars. The budgetary restrictions kind of limit limited them to, to and from a lot of things. And that, a lot of them, the ice cream truck, all of the cars were the cop car were all rentals. Mooney is ignoring the onslaught of ringing phones when Jumbo enters his domain. Mooney throws him in the cell with the two boozy delinquents from earlier. Jumbo then proceeds to blow a blowhorn at him that has a hand at the end of it that wraps around Mooney's neck, knocking him out cold. Should we mention that in between all of this, Debbie is still showering? I was just about to mention, is Debbie still in the shower when all this is going on? She is taking the world's longest shower, which I think from beginning to end is probably 15 minutes, but yeah. so much is going on within this 15 minutes. She is dead. That I I think that it's probably within movie time. It's got to be at least an hour. She took a long shower. It's a long Long. shower. She really acts like the movie's over and she destroyed everybody and she's the winner. And And then she gets completely fully dressed when she gets out, which doesn't make a lick of sense either. All to be attacked. All to be attacked. Dave makes it to the station and finds it quiet with large, goofy colored clown footprints everywhere, including the ceilings and the walls. And Alex, tell us what happened to Mooney. Mooney gets turned into a ventriloquist. Or, yes. You know, he gets well, turned into yeah. a puppet. And what is it? Jumbo is the ventriloquist. Jumbo becomes the ventriloquist. It's super cool. Like, this scene is probably the best one. And he gets what he deserves. This is karma coming back at him because he's such an asshole, dude. And you know the line that I told you to remember earlier, which he goes, You won't make a dummy out of me. Yeah. Ironically. This is what you were talking about. Ironically, it's how he dies. This is the dead silence moment. It's so good. And I love that I didn't find out that he had actually turned him into a puppet up until he slides his hand from out, you know, from right behind him. 
Oh, I knew from the moment that he, like, pulls him up like that, that yeah. it was, like, a weird ventriloquist moment. And dummies are scary. I think Dave is great here. Like, I don't think that any of the actors are necessarily bad, even the actor who plays Mike, or even the Terenzi brothers. I think that they do what they're... Meant to do. Meant to do. I think that they're... Everybody play their part. Yeah. I think they are. they do well with what they're given. And I think Dave, especially in this part, does really well. Yeah. And... He's a hero. So Dave shoots Jumbo repeatedly, but it isn't until Jumbo's big nose is pierced that he is killed, exploding into glitter. You know, that's the only part that we see one of the clowns die in the whole entire movie, just because the budget couldn't afford them killing all the other clowns. Oh, I didn't we, notice We got that. to see them get shot, and then, like, um, glitter flies, you know, but we never see the clown actually disappear because he died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and this was done really cool by, like, pieces of mirrors that they glued into this contraption that kind of spins, and they, like, flash lights into the spinning mirrors, kind of like a disco ball. That's so funny. I think that I had, like, that Mandela effect, and I think that I thought that I saw all the clowns. No, and it's weird that once destroyed. I mentioned it to you, like, you realize, like, holy shit, I never really saw the other clowns die. Like, just, like, glitter happens, or, like, this confetti. That's the only clown that we actually see die. Because we're like, where do they go? What happens? Why do they die? Like, where did they go? Because I expected it's this big old tornado thing that happens. And I'm like, oh, shit, this big old transformer looking thing is going to happen. And no, sure enough, he just disappears. That's wild. I really had no idea. Uh, Dave calls for backup. On the other side of town, Rich and Paul and Mike look for danger elsewhere while on their way to Debbie's and come across what reminds me personally of the electrical light parade. Oh my gosh. Um, it has so like a cool. lot of a lot of comparing factors. Yeah. We have new clowns now and also new weapons. There's vacuums, different lasers and guns and it reminds me a lot of War of the Worlds. Yeah. Just this one little scene kind of reminded me of that. Debbie has finally finished showering. <laughs> welcome back to the And world, yeah, welcome back Debbie. And her hamper has we grown. We need you on set. Yeah, and her hamper has grown tiny, scary clown snake thingies that Tim Burton would be proud of. Clowns have invaded her entire home. Slim captures her and puts her in a special yellow bubble as opposed to the cotton candy pod, and the clowns take her away. When she opens the door because she hears Mike's voice, and then she sees one of the clowns, I thought that part was really spooky. Yeah, or you know what, there's that snake, it reminds me too of the sandworm, or that snake from Nightmare Before Christmas, the one with the Christmas list. He's yeah. eating a Christmas list. That's Tim Burton too, isn't it? Yeah, or it is Henry Tim Burton. Selleck, uh -huh. Which is Tim Burton yeah. designed, yeah. Um, and I really want to talk about that special bubble that Debbie has put in because everybody else, which I guess up until this point in the film, they're only kidnapping and killing. I had asked you that men. earlier. Yeah, because like, everybody has put in cotton candy looking pods. But when Debbie is taken, they put her in like this yellow special bubble. And then it turns out the reason that women or other special people are put into these special bubbles, it's because they want to be held for later safekeeping to be impregnated or for other special yeah, reasons. Yeah, because if we go back to Mooney, right before Mooney died, he had a phone call from somebody that said, your wife had been taken and put in a balloon, or your wife had been and taken in a balloon. And it was his wife taken yeah. in the balloon. But that's kind of gross. Yeah, it's it is so gross. gross to think about. Because once these clowns shed their clown skin, they're, they're probably just regular aliens. That's exactly what you're... Yeah. Because I was like, clear clowns from outer space, and you're like, well, we don't know what's underneath the clown suit. And I'm like, that scares me even more. Mike, Dave, Paul, and Rich are hot on the trail of our hooligan circus aliens who have taken Debbie to the local amusement park. Because, of course, that's where clowns would be hiding. 
Seeing they are armed with a selection of pies, the guard confronts them, also giving us another iconic line delivery. What are you going to do with all those pies, boys? They <laughs> pie him to death, he melts into a heap of flesh, and Tiny tops him with a cherry. It's perfect. The deaths are a really good reason to watch this, and they don't shy away from the gnarliness no. of the deaths like they're, they're not gross, yeah. particularly gory or like over the top the insane. idea of them you know happening or being real like but that the is like... idea is there and i think the execution is really implemented quite well and after watching it a couple of times uh, for the purpose of reviewing it i think the movie itself has grown on me because of these kind of scenes. Like, I don't love it, you know, and I didn't love, love, love it the first time, but it's because of these kind of set pieces that I have, like, a little bit more of a respect for it. Mm -hmm. The men arrive at the amusement park, and by men, I mean... The girls. Mike and, oh. Yeah, the girls, <laughs> the, the girls. damsels in distress. <laughs> and they go into the crazy house looking for Debbie. Um, while exploring the crazy house, um, the Terenzi brothers fall through a trap door on the floor and into a pit of balls, reminiscent to those ones that you find at McDonald's, where mm -hmm. all the little kids make pee-pee in. Ew. And this is where we meet Rosebud and Daisy. Is <laughs> that the same? Yes. <laughs> and they stupidly ask them if they're Debbie's roommates before we Are cut to Debbie's the next roommates? scene. And we can only assume that Rosebud and Daisy sexually assault the Terenzi yeah. brothers. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. I'm pretty sure that well, they yeah, probably don't there's care. There's thing that supposedly the, those Terenzi brothers like say things to girls to like attract them. Yeah, it's so, so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Mike recognizes the cotton candy cocoons and is frightened to see that the collection has grown very quickly and extensively. Progressively throughout the movie, if you yeah, pay attention. At the very beginning, it was pretty empty, and now mm -hmm. it's it's full. I don't know about you, but they remind me of Lucky Rabbit Feet. Like, the way yeah, that they kind of yeah. look. They remind me of those yeah, Lucky Rabbit Feet that exactly you get like, like the, mm -hmm. the skating rink. Do they still sell those? No, I don't know. I, I haven't looked for one. That's a weird thing to collect, or like to want... As a child, that's a weird yeah. thing to, like, have on you. A rabbit foot? Oh, Peter got involved. That's fucking weird. Yeah, probably. The clown that looks like Gypsy shows up and uses a fun, snazzy-looking straw <laughs> to stab into the cocoon to drink pink-looking soda out of it. That looks so good to me. And that's so weird that you think that. It looks so good. Gruesome and gross, and not where I expected this to go, and... None of this is really what I expected at all, actually, but a lot of it works. So I, uh, it's that 80-20 blend of comedy and horror that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And this is like a good example of it, the, the straw stabbing into the cocoon. Yeah. So Mike overreacts at the cotton candy soda slurp, and that's when he and Dave find Debbie and the special bubble for pending pregnant lady clowns and rescue her. The music especially kicks into gear here, which is zany and fun. The clowns intercept on them, and it's a full-on clown attack. Dave shoots at their noses. Glitter explosions follow. There is a lot of Tim Burton-esque sequences that follow, and that's what we already talked about. I had that in my notes about how a lot of this reminded me of Tim Burton set mm -hmm. pieces. They try to get away. They end up on a big soundstage with a bigger group of clowns. This is where it reminds me of Monsters, Inc. Yeah, The okay. ride. Okay, yeah. <laughs> The ice cream truck crashes through the wall. The voice of the Terenzi brothers on the loudspeaker. During this, the ceiling opens up and an oversized Godzilla-like clown drops in and gives chase. It's a pretty epic finale. The clown moves in a weird slow motion type of way as it chases our protagonist or tri 
protagonist or duologist protagonist or yes and you know what that that last um, scene where, where he crashes into the the wall the, with the ice cream truck it reminds me so of Wizard of Ozzy like the way he's speaking through the speaker and like you know okay. trying to convince the clowns not to kill them because they're good people there will I didn't get the idea that when they burst into the the walls like that they're supposed to be tricking the other clowns that they're they are Jojo the clownzilla I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's what they're trying to trick the other clowns, saying, like, we're the bigger clown, like, pay attention to us. Uh, to, to me, I'm your master. That's funny. I watched this movie, I think, three times in the last four or five days just to, like, be well-versed in this. And I think the one thing I caught on the final rewatch was an extra frame of Debbie in the shower. Stop. She's still in there right now to this She's- day. Probably still She's in still our in shower. She's mm-hmm. probably moved on to our shower. Clownzilla. Oh, yeah. We get a great shot of the big thing, the big clown. Played by big... one of the brothers, by the way. The, um, I think it was Charles Kyoto was inside of that costume. Charles Kyoto uh-huh. was inside of the big Godzilla-like yeah. clown yes. costume. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I know. like I said, it was a family affair. They all had a big part in something, or a small part, or a big part, yeah. depending on how you how you look like at that it. That Lombardi guy that you had mentioned is like best friends with him, I believe. Oh yeah, that's, that's why they the that's why they kept that part in the movie was because I, I think that they used the beginning of the movie as like a short. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that cat? That was really loud. How are we picking up that cat? And he's like across cat? the street. Like- Y'all, we're on the fourth floor of uh-huh. our apartment building. And there is a cat that's in heat, like, at all Maybe times. Maybe four houses, five houses down. down. the street. And we just picked it up I on know, this mic. That that's so insane. That's we had our, mentioned that cat today. That's our cue that it's late. And we need to wrap this yeah. episode up. So we get a great shot of the big thing that is picking up Dave. And the big thing is the, the big Godzilla-like clown. He picks up Dave. And Dave is clearly a doll. So that that's the kind of budget that we're working with and it's quite clear in this last few moments of the movie but it's still a lot of fun (laughs) the tent glows and takes form of its original spaceship shooting star shape and lifts off of the ground and into the night it looks kind of like a spinning top dave uses his badge to pop the nose of the big clown (laughs) and it explodes and so does the spaceship there are fireworks there are multiple police and mike and debbie and they watch from below the clown mobile lands from the explosion onto the ground with Dave inside unharmed. Debbie and Mike are happy to see him. Rich and Paul are alive too, having hid inside with the frozen ice cream. I don't know if any of the last part of my plot description made any sense because I just got a little distracted, but those who have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Alex knows what I'm talking about. And I know, I, what, you're talking I about. know what I'm talking about. And we are watching the movie on mute right now. And as we are wrapping up this episode, the movie just finished. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. But you know that... what? It finished It finished with the scene that we all know. But this was not supposed to be the scene that the film finished with. Supposedly, um, they just did this for good riddance. But he was supposed to die up there with both of the brothers. Yeah. And they knew that... I almost called him Mark. They knew yeah. that Mike was, you know, the bitch. And that yep. Dave was the real... Hero. The real hero. So I think they made the right decision there. Yeah. That scene was shot in um in a parking lot in Van Nuys at a mall. Ew. So it's not Santa Cruz. We see like the Santa Cruz boardwalk in the background, like the the fair or the yeah. um theme park. 
but, but it's, it's like really it's a parking lot here in Van Nuys. And that's the last scene, and that's how we wrap up Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Apparently, they were going to do a sequel, but they never did. It's been in like development yeah, hell for however, yet. whoever knows how long. But maybe one day we'll get that. Alex, what did you think of Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I, for me, it's a forever classic. It's a forever classic. Yeah, it's a forever classic. Oh, he it loves will it. Play yearly. Oh, I don't know if I can watch it again this you year. You will. No, not this year. I don't think I will watch it this yeah. year. I think I watched it. You had mentioned you watched it three times in five days. I think I watched it five times in three days. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need to watch it again anytime no, I'm pretty this year. Much done. I know too much about this movie now. Yeah, I'm glad that I do know. I'm glad yeah. that we're versed and I'm glad that we're educated. And I do recommend it. I recommend it for anybody who likes movies. I recommend it for anybody who likes horror comedies um specifically you know campy b movies because that's the audience that it's aimed for you know it, it's not a favorite by any means but you know i appreciate it and i i have a respect for it and i mean yes the attention to detail the creativity was out of this world the weapons the outfits the props the storyline the base were all very clever yeah they did what they wanted to do with it and i think they got their point across yeah. and the spacecraft was absolutely like amazing it was creative in many ways i had mentioned earlier that we have set up our calendar for um not only spooky season but for the rest of the year but we have a lot of really good movies that we're going to be talking about and for next week we're going to be talking about one of my favorite halloween classics that i have on rotation every year it's a um a little off kilter i guess you would say because it's definitely not a horror movie but it's halloween related i'm not going to uh say what it is i think that we are going to wait and announce it over instagram so stay tuned for that and i guess we can close this out alex do you have any closing thoughts before we say goodbye not necessarily just watch the movie guys um get your own opinion of it uh, listen to us or don't listen to us but uh thank you so much if you did listen to us yeah thanks for listening guys i hope you come back next week and if you have any thoughts or suggestions please feel free to reach out you can find yes. us on instagram at the gory gaze and you can also email us at the gory gaze at gmail.com and uh, also all criticism is constructive so bring it on yeah please <laughs> let us know how we sounded let us know if there's anything that you would like us to talk about um like Alex just said, any any feedback is feedback. So mm -hmm. we're new to this, and we are not above or below no. any type of suggestion or or no. words. All comments are good comments. All comments are good comments. With that being said, thank you guys so much for having us, and we look forward to slashing up and bleeding out another favorite of yours next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>